Hey listeners, this is Daryl with a quick word before we start talking about Leo Messi. Today's show is sponsored by DoorDash. If you want Chinese food or pizza or froyo or a poke bowl or any other type of food delivered to your door, I'm not going to list all the foods, imagine all the foods, then you can use DoorDash. I couldn't list them all because there are thousands of restaurants open for delivery on DoorDash. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with the DoorDash app. DoorDash is the app that brings your food right to your door. Ordering is easy. You just open the app, you choose what you want, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. And we've also got a special offer for you. Right now, Total Social listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. When you download the DoorDash app and enter the code, you guessed it, TSS. That's $5 off, zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code TSS. One more time, that's code TSS for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. And welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Daryl Grove. I am not joined by Taylor Rockwell today because he's still on a very well-earned vacation. But we still have a great show for you today. I'm going to be talking to La Liga expert Graham Ruthven all about that Leo Messi transfer story. Graham gives us all the details. How the transfer might work, what Leo Messi's motivation is, where he might be going, what's going on with the Barcelona presidential elections. I guarantee you will finish this episode of the Total Soccer Show knowing a lot more about the Leo Messi situation than you did at the start. I did anyway, in terms of my conversation with Graham. But very quickly, before we talk Leo Messi, I want to make sure that Total Soccer Show listeners know about the Weston McKenney to Juventus rumour that broke this morning. You did hear that correctly. You don't need to rewind. A journalist named Patrick Berger, very different person to the former Liverpool player. Patrick Berger is with Sport One in Germany. Um, It seems like he covers Schalke and Dortmund. Patrick Berger published a story with Sport One this morning saying that Juve Sporting Director has been in contact with Schalke and they're talking about a possible 25 million euro transfer. For those who haven't been following, if McKenney does go to Juventus, he'll be playing under first-time head coach Andrea Perlo. Um, his competition in midfield is going to be Artur, uh, Bentancur, Rabio, Ramsey and Kadira. So there's five pretty big-name players there already. It's kind of possible Ramsey or Kadira are on their way out. So it could be that there, there's going to be some churn in the Juventus midfield and McKenney is one of the younger players coming in. Juve would be a tough challenge for McKenney. Let's make no mistake about it. But it's hard not to get excited about this as American soccer fans. So we're going to keep tracking this story. If it seems like it's really happening, then the Total Soccer Show will dig a lot deeper into it and spend some more time thinking about what this looks like. Until then, let's bring in our very knowledgeable guest to talk about Leo Messi and Barcelona. Welcome back to the Total Soccer Show, Mr. Graham Ruthven. Hello. Hi, Daryl. How are you? I am great, thank you. Um, and I, I was just telling you off air that I'm I'm really excited that I get to talk to you this week because Taylor's on vacation and Leo Messi has been making some news. I know Taylor's missed out on all the juicy stuff, hasn't he? Uh, sure no has. shortage of things to talk about this time. 
but at least he's getting some sun. He's he's lying back on the beach somewhere. He's lying back on the beach. So we're gonna we're gonna talk all things Leo Messi. I want to start from the very top. This is real, right? In the Leo Messi or someone from his uh, representation really did send that fax to Barcelona. Yeah, absolutely. There's been a confirmation from the Messi side of things and from the Barcelona side of things, and and you rarely get that that the two parties actually. <laughs> disagree and brief different things at different yeah. times but yes there is an agree there is agreement this time that this has actually happened that a recorded letter or dossier of documents as it was kind of described was delivered to Camp Nou uh, yesterday and Barcelona replied with their own dossier of, of <laughs> documents as a reply so yes this is this is real. So my understanding is that the reason it's a recorded letter or a dossier of documents is because it has to be on record it has to be official because as I understand it, Leo Messi and his team think that they might be able to leave for free. Am I correct in that? And what is the mechanism? Yeah, so it's a, a pretty unique clause in, in, in Messi's contract that exists. This is a contract that was negotiated in uh, November 2017. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure if I've heard of anything like this before in another player's contract. But I suppose it illustrates the, the power that Messi has at Camp yeah. that he was able or his representation was able to, to negotiate this. So basically, at the end of every season, from that contract that was agreed in 2017 until June 2021, which is when the, the contract runs until... Messi has the option to walk away from the club at, at the end of each season um, as a free agent, you know, without a, a transfer fee, without the release clause being activated. Now, he has until the, May 31st of every season to, to let the club know, as, as you say there, with a, a recorded uh, um, letter or, or document that, that he wants to leave the club. This season, because of the coronavirus pandemic, that was extended until June 10th, but the season was still going on at that point. I think, although I've kind of lost track of time, I think La Liga season was still very much on at that time and Barcelona were still very much in the title race. So maybe Messi hadn't totally made his mind up. So that that June the 10th deadline came and went without Barcelona hearing anything. But now Messi and his team have, um, they believe, activated that clause. They, their argument is that because the season didn't end until, well, I mean, the season technically in Europe didn't end until Sunday with the Champions League final between yeah. uh, Bayern Munich and PSG. Because the, the season didn't end until then, they see that this clause is, is, is still applicable and they're now activating it now. So it seems like there's going to be a bit of a courtroom battle there, some sort of legal process. But one side, this is where there is a disagreement. Um, there's no disagreement on the fact that Messi has asked to leave and, and intends to activate this this clause. But the disagreement is Barcelona say, look, you've missed this deadline. June 10th was the deadline for you to activate it. And Messi's team are preparing for a legal case that, well, actually, the circumstances have changed. So it's still applicable. So could we end up in a situation where, because of the disagreement over whether August 25th is the new June 10th, um, we, <laughs> could, we could get like Messi stuck at Barcelona in a weird legal limbo? Or could we get him leave Barcelona and the transfer fee or no transfer fee is to be negotiated afterwards. I'm kind of asking, like, does the fact that there's a legal disagreement mean that this is going to get held up in court and maybe it, nothing goes anywhere? Yeah, I mean, look, everything is an option at this at this stage. You know, the dust is still to settle a little bit. The, the noises coming out of the Catalan press, and this certainly hasn't been um, verified by Barcelona officially or anything like that, but the noises are that if Barcelona and Bartomeu, the, the president, are, are forced into a corner over this, they would they would maybe 
accept a, an offer of around what they sold uh, Neymar to PSG for, which is around about the 200 million uh, euro mark. Messi's release clause um, outside of this this strange clause um, is 700 million euros. And so uh, there's not a club in Europe that can pay that. There's a reason Barcelona set the release clause that high, and, and, yeah. and that's because no, no one can pay that. So that that's completely irrelevant. No one's going to pay that. So it's either going to be a full-blown courtroom battle where um, Messi is left in a situation where, I mean, the season starts in Spain on September 12th, I think it is. So, you know, that's, what, less than three weeks away. So it's not exactly a long time to get this sorted out. Um, Or I think a more realistic scenario is that Barcelona accept a a fee that is a lot less than the release clause and, and they move on. The other option, of course, is that this is one final power move from Messi to, to try and force an election, um, to try and force Bartomeu out of the club um, and to get a new regime into the club that he is more agreeable with and could maybe see him stay at Barcelona. But it's definitely a crossroads. It's, it's, if, if he doesn't get that, then yes, it seems like he probably will leave. Yeah, I read your Eurosport story essentially suggesting that this may be a power move, um, a leverage move. What what's the situation there? I know Bartomeu seems very unpopular with Messi and I think with a lot of Barcelona fans. Can you update mm-hmm. us on the, I know the election date was changed but I wasn't sure by how much and if that was an initial um concession to Leo Messi and could Bartomeu make any further concessions um include up to and including resigning? Yeah, this is a this is a really mess, messy situation. You're going to have to bear with me as I try and explain this the, the best I can. So the elections were set for next year. There's a period between March and June that they can take place, and it hadn't actually been specified until the appointment of Ronald Coleman last week that uh, when those elections were going to take place. So the the, the noises, though, were that the Bartomeu was trying to push it further into the summer, so closer to June, um, to hang on as, as, as long as possible to get his... He, he can't stand in these elections again, but he can... The, the continuity successor he wanted to find to kind of stand in his place and they don't really know who that uh. figure is going to be. So he wants to, to give himself as much time as possible to find that candidate. Last week it was confirmed um, that they were being brought forward to March, which is in this uh, this this fixed term period, this agreed period. That's the earliest possible uh, opportunity. However, if Bartomeu were to resign, then an election would be sparked at, at, at that point. So that's really what a lot of Barcelona fans, a lot of Barcelona figures, Messi himself, are, are really going for. They want Bartomeu to go now. But the other reason, this is where it gets a little bit messy and you're going to have to bear with me, is the other reason is that there's a financial aspect to this. So there is, a, 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 in the constitution of, of, of Barcelona as, as a football club, if they end the year, in a, in a, the financial year, in loss, the president could face a liability action, which essentially means that the president has to foot the bill um, for what has been lost for that year. Mm. Um, that hasn't really happened before, but normally when it has happened, the, the, the president hasn't left right at the end of this. So March is obviously the end of the, the financial year. So Bartomeu is trying desperately through the deals we saw for Artur um, to go to Juventus and Pjanic coming in in exchange, which was purely a financial move through a number of uh, other, maybe other player sales this summer. He's, he's trying to get the club back on, on an equal footing and it, it seems unlikely that that's going to happen. So there's a financial aspect to this and there's a political aspect to this. And in both cases, you know, when, when I, I, I did write that piece for Eurosport last night, there were whispers coming out of, uh, of Barcelona that, 
that Bartomeu might actually leave. He might resign. There was a, a few kind of erroneous reports that he had resigned. By the time this morning came round, it, it doesn't seem he's going. It, it, there's just not the, the suggestion that he is going. And, and that has to be purely down to this, this financial aspect that he might actually end up having to foot the bill um, if, if he leaves while the is a loss. So, yes, that's the situation and it's all a bit of a mess. I mean, could he cut a deal and say, hey, I'll walk away if you don't stick me with the bill? Yeah, maybe that has that has been raised, and and there's also been um, diff- different prop, uh, proposals made by maybe uh, Catalonian businessmen who are who are mm. willing to. They're so desperate to see this guy gone and for Messi to stay at Barcelona that they would maybe pay the the bill for that. You know, that it's it's all very early days in this kind of in this this tug of war, so it's difficult to know what's real and what's not in that sense. But yeah, it's it's uh, a complete mess. And how bad is the financial situation? Basically, how much have they overspent by? Yeah, again, I, I went looking for these figures um, last night and they're not for this because obviously we've had the, the COVID pandemic. That's yeah. been a, a big factor as well. So Barcelona, for the last few years, have really been hanging on by their fingertips in terms of the wage bill. It's the wage bill that in previous years has been crippling them. So I think they have the highest wage bill in Europe by quite some distance and also the, the most worrying thing is I think it's between 60 and 70 percent of their revenue as a club goes to the players for which when you consider how big Barcelona are as a club as a, as a global brand you know that's that's a frightening mm-hmm. um, you know wage to revenue t- t- uh, ratio um, once you factor in the COVID pandemic and the fact that there are you know Barcelona normally have 70 to 90,000 fans at home games for uh, at Camp Nou and 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 they're not coming through the turnstiles and, um, you know, they didn't go as far in the Champions League as they would like. And, and there'll be other various other, there's not a pre-season tour this this summer as well. All the big European clubs obviously go to America or Far East Asia for, for money spinning uh, fixtures, friendly fixtures. And that's not happened. So those 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 figures won't be revealed until kind of the end of the financial year and until um the kind of accounts are filed but yes they are looking in in, in a bad way i mean even if I, I did read that even if they were to sell sell messi this summer for you know a neymar size fee they would still be looking at a loss so that suggests that you know it's it's hundreds of millions of euros that that, that they're looking at being in in the red Oof. Well, changes they have made is, correct me if I'm wrong, Eric Abadal is out, right? Um, and yeah. Ronald Koeman is in as as head coach, uh, replacing Setien. Um, the story I read in, I believe, I don't know if it's the English version or a translated page of AS, am I pronouncing that correctly? The AS newspaper? Yes, yep. It's, it's AS, right? right? Um, is that yes. Koeman had said to Leo Messi, essentially, no more privileges is the quote I saw, which which I understood to mean, you know, we're not going to let you be this power figure who runs the, you know, runs the team as well as being the star player. Um, it, do you know if there's any truth to, to that, to that, uh, that story? It's, I can't speak for the, for the authenticity of, of the report. I mean, it's, it's certainly being reported. I haven't seen any, um, I haven't seen any uh, denial of it or, or rejection of it from Messi and, and, and his team, so or, or from the Barcelona side of things. And it would make sense if, if uh, you know, Bartomeu had, I don't want to say instructed Coleman, but had had almost briefed Coleman that this is what he's going to have to do going into that dressing room. He's going to have to get Messi um, in, under control, really, um, yeah. or you're 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 going to be you're going to be on to be a loser from the start. So it, it's it doesn't. Um, 
you know, I did see that quote in, in, in an isolation. It does look bad. Obviously, it's a little bit difficult to judge without the context of, of what else was, was said from, from Coleman. But yeah. it, it does kind of... Um, Coleman, I don't know if you remember his time at Valencia, um, which was a long time ago, but he, he has coached in La Liga before. And in, at Valencia, the biggest issue Coleman had was with the egos of the dressing room uh, at Mestalla. And um, that was a big question mark against him coming into this Barcelona job as well. Is he better dealing with the big characters in, in, a, in a dressing room? And, you know, he's only been in the job for, well, Monday was his first day, wasn't it? And, and, and or his first training session. And, and this is already uh, happening. So it doesn't exactly bode particularly well, especially with uh, Luis Suarez as well, being told that he's no longer wanted at, at Camp Nou. And that may have been a factor in pushing Messi over the edge because, of course, the two the two players, Suarez and Messi, are, are, aren't just uh, good teammates on the pitch, but they're very close friends off the pitch as well. It's weird, cause it, but it strikes me that if you're Ronald Koeman and you're coming in and you want to you know, get back to winning ways, you do kind of need to lose some of the older players like Luis Suarez and I would argue that having Leo Messi run the show is, and you know, not always be part of the of the uh, the team structure in a way. Like it felt, it feels a little bit like Neymar in the early days at PSG. Sometimes watching Messi play for Barcelona the last couple of years, I kind of think Kuman was on to the to the right idea. And what I'm what I'm setting up here is maybe Barcelona might be better off if Leo Messi leaves. Yep, I knew you were going to come to that. I, I've actually argued that that that. Coleman might actually benefit from Messi being sold, and yeah. and that's a, that's a that's a ridiculous almost seems like a ridiculous thing to say because obviously we're talking about the the greatest player in Barcelona's history and probably the greatest player of all time, but it's become such a a, a prickly difficult um, political situation at Barcelona with Messi in that dressing room. And another thing, you know, Messi rejects a lot of these accusations that are made of him. He said a lot of it seems to come from the club. Of course, we had the, the social media scandal earlier in the year with with Bartomeu hiring a, a third-party social media company that essentially trolled Messi and a number of Barcelona players and figures. <laughs> I forgot um, about that. Yeah, yeah so uh, that kind of backs up this this argument from Messi's camp that a lot of it does come from Barcelona and, and what we hear about Messi perhaps isn't entirely um, true. But I don't, I don't think there's any doubt that he's a, he's a massive political force in that club. Um, I don't think there's a player in European football that has a hold over a club, especially of that size, like Messi does over Barcelona. So, yeah, Coleman, of course, will want Messi to want a committed and loyal uh, Messi in his dressing room. But he he might not be. You know, I've I've read a lot of people saying like oh, Coleman's only been in the job a few weeks and his team's already you know crumbling. This he might actually not be too bothered by this as, as much as that sounds in, in, insane you know he Messi going will free up cash for Barcelona to, to for new signings and particularly for their wage bill and will just free Coleman up to build his own team without having to to build around this player both on the pitch and in the dressing room yeah because if you if you're coming and you've got like a specific tactical style you think is going to work but if Messi's not willing to be the, like to do his to perform his role within that the whole thing falls apart right you can't have any sort of system where there's one guy who's not not willing to do it yeah exactly and we're, we're even seeing this with the, the clubs that have been linked with Messi I mean Manchester City in the past 24 hours have kind of leapt to the front of the queue but I've, I've read a lot of tactical previews of well okay Lionel Messi is going to Manchester City how is he fitting into this team because it doesn't seem like he can play as a right winger anymore or, or as a winger at all is he then going to play in midfield and if he plays in midfield 
how's he going to play with Kevin De Bruyne? Is he going to play in the in the David Silva position? So, it, it, you know, you have this player. I think one of the biggest problems with Messi, if you can say it's a problem at all, is that he is a a, a player without a position, and that makes yeah. it very tactically very difficult to fit him into a team. If you're a coach that has a very specific way of playing and an idea of how you want to build a team, it's it's, it's very difficult to to kind of. I always describe it as if you want to get the best out of Messi, you need a structure that works with 10 players. You can play with 10 players and the structure of your team remains the same. And then you just allow Messi to do whatever he wants. And maybe Coleman doesn't want to do that. Maybe Guardiola's thinking back to like 2009, 2010 and thinking he can he can do that again. Because I remember Messi sort of counter-pressing and being like a really willing part of the team. But he might be wrong, right? Because that was a young Messi who hadn't won everything that he's won right uh, right now. Um, so I've been seeing that Man City rumour and it's a really specific rumour like that involves City Football Group and I think three yeah. seasons at Man City and then a move to Major League Soccer with NYC um, FC I've also noticed Guardiola has been very very quiet am I right in thinking there's sort of a delicate political situation with maybe Guardiola uh, not wanting to upset Barcelona yeah so um, it was uh, I think it was um, Sam Lee at the Athletic. His information this morning was that Manchester City are—they're very wary of not appearing the bad guys in this right. in this story. So they they don't want to be the club that plucks or poaches Messi from Barcelona, almost in the same way that PSG. Yeah, sure, they got one of the best players and one of the most marketable players in the world in Neymar, but they almost came out of that as as the bad guys, taking Neymar away from Camp Nou and away from playing with Messi. And, and Man City are very wary of that. And I think Guardiola, you're right, he has been very quiet. And any time he has been asked about it, I think most recently he was asked last month about it, and he said the ideal scenario is that Messi stays in Barcelona. So I don't fully believe... <laughs> He believes that himself. I think he he desperately wants Lionel Messi at, at Manchester City. I think Manchester City, their stance for the last few years has kind of remained consistent all the way through in that they don't plan for for making a move for Messi. They go about they they have us every summer. They have a transfer strategy. They stick by that transfer strategy. But if ever there was a case where they felt Lionel Messi was genuinely available, they would make a move. And I think that's what's happening this summer is that. This is the first time, really, that it's felt like Lionel Messi could actually leave Barcelona. And so Manchester City are activating some form of plan that they have probably done some work on already. I read this morning that a report that they've already su- submitted a, a proposal of sorts. That's the, the pr- proposal you assume you're, you're referencing there with NYCFC go after three years in the Premier League. So it seems like they've done their background work on this and, and they've been ready for it. But they, they do appreciate that, particularly after their financial fair play case this summer, where they've already had their tainted a little bit, that they, they are aware of the, the PR side of this. Hey, listener, this is Daryl jumping in. More on the possibility of Leo Messi to Manchester City in just a moment. But first, today's show is sponsored by Fubo TV. Fubo TV has all the channels you need if you're a soccer fan. If you want to watch Leo Messi next season, then if he does stay at Barcelona, you can watch him on Being Sports. If he goes to the Premier League, you can watch him on NBC Sports Network. And if he goes to MLS early, you can watch him on ESPN 1 and 2 and Fox Sports 1 and 2. If you can't watch him live, you can DVR him or you can use the catch-up feature. And if you get the family plan, then up to three people can watch Fubo TV at once. 
That means trimultaneous messy watching across three different devices in three different locations. And if you're interested but not sure, then I recommend trying the seven-day free trial. You should go to fubo.tv slash TSS. That's F-U-B-O dot slash TSS. And you can get a seven-day free trial and see what Fubo's all about. Okay, let's get back to talking Messi to Man City. Speaking of financial fair play, can, can Man City afford to pay Messi's wages? I know they can afford, they can find the money to give it to give him money, but can they afford to pay his wages and not get in FFP trouble again? Or do they now think that maybe FFP is just not, is not real, so it doesn't matter? Yeah, this is, this is one aspect I can't get, get my head around. I've, I've tried looking at it, and financial fair play is always, uh, is, is always difficult to get your, your mind around at the, at the best of times. So factoring in this court case that, 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 that Man City had through Cass, um, where they were eventually cleared, of course, of of uh, the, well, they weren't cleared, but the, their Champions League suspension was was removed. Yeah. Um, Lionel Messi, according to, to Football Leaks, which is obviously the, the the book that was released a few a couple of years ago, two three years ago, which has got, I think it's fair to say got a lot right about you know football. Mm-hmm. A lot has come out of that book that has turned out to be accurate. They they claim that Lionel Messi is on two million euros a week before tax at Barcelona. Make him highest paid player. Makes him the highest paid player in football by about double. More than double, actually. Um, so that explains why Barcelona are absolutely uh, <laughs> are penny pinching at the moment. Um, but it, 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 it's it's really it's confusing to me uh, how a club that can make a move for Lionel Messi at this moment, particularly Manchester City, who are are flying pretty close to the to to the sun when it comes to FFP. Inter were maybe the club that I thought financially could maybe. Um, make a move because they, even though they do have a very good team at Inter, you wouldn't say there's there's a number of players who are earning close to five hundred thousand euros a week. I mean, I don't think there's anyone earning that amount of money at this at the San Siro at the moment. They have very rich and amb- ambitious Chinese owners who are looking to turn Inter into a, a European superpower. So I, I felt like financially that might be the, the 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 most realistic destination in terms of the money. But City, PSG as well, you know, PSG who have had their own um, FFP problems. They, you know, they've, they've got Neymar and Mbappe on, on massive wages. I, I can't get my head around it unless they're, unless they're being creative in terms of maybe, I don't know, you know, some form of equity agreement or image rights agreement that, that, that Messi gets paid slightly yeah. more or even a a merchandising. I mean, I, I don't know how that would work with City because obviously Messi is an Adidas athlete, and City are, um, you know, pu- sponsored by Puma. So I don't, I don't think there's anything there with Manchester City. But I have seen report that Juvent- Adidas are are are, are, clo- uh, are keen on him going to Juventus for this reason. So maybe if Juventus made a move, there would be some form of corporate agreement there that would that would make up his wages. Similar to we're seeing. I know this is almost like comparing apples and oranges, but. Um, like Liverpool have with their Nike, their their new Nike apparel deal, where they're only getting I think thirty five million dollars a season, but there's a, they get a certain percentage of the merchandise instead, and they feel that's going to bump them up. You know that you are seeing more of these kind of creative deals in in, in football at the moment, particularly in in the post COVID nineteen world. So I can't get my head around it. I caveat that <laughs> with I am not an economic mind, so I'm maybe not the best person to ask for that. But yes, it might take some creative thinking to to get him on the wage bill. So I'm going to ask you the toughest question. Um, what's your prediction? Do you, do you have a prediction for how this all plays out? <laughs> if you'd asked me when when it broke, um, I would have said Bartomeu 
would resign and Messi would stay at Barcelona. I honestly don't know. I know that's not the answer you want. I, no, it's really fine. If that's split, the answer, I, then that's the answer. I, I, I really don't know. I, I'm split between him leaving to go to Manchester City. I'm split between him um, staying at Barcelona with a new regime. I've even considered the fact, could he do uh, a Michael Jordan of sorts, which is go, leave and then come back when there's a new regime? Could he leave mm. altogether? Could he, could he retire? I mean... I think I did actually see that suggested by a, a Catalan journalist that you know he he could sit out the season basically until March until there is an election and then hopefully Victor Font from from his point of view hopefully Victor Font comes in Xavi's the new coach and then Messi comes back there um, just make sure he doesn't go and play baseball for a season <laughs> in that time uh, although the NYCFC connection now. <laughs> <laughs> with, with that pitch that he could be playing on if he moves to City, um, yeah. but yeah, <laughs> he could play I'm for the Yankees that's... and then play for NYCFC. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He did both. He could really do a, an MJ. But um, <laughs> yeah, sorry, I know that's a rubbish answer, but I, I genuinely don't know. It could, it really could go anyway. I, I almost feel like Messi maybe doesn't know. I think mm-hmm. this was a hail mary. I think this was this was a a move to make something happen. He, he realised that he couldn't just sit around and, and, and accept the same old, same old. Yeah. I, I, I think he, this is a move that he knows there's, there's probably a number of different outcomes, but this way something happens. This way something shifts. And yeah. I think that's probably beneficial for him. So it's sort of like him shaking things up just to, to make a change, whatever that change may be. Um, yeah. You also mentioned that his preferred candidate in the election was uh, Foray. Um, do you... Bond. Funt, excuse me, excuse me. Um, do you have an idea of what what would actually change with with that if Funt became president? Like, is, is, does Funt have a platform? Does it work like, say, an American election where there's a manifesto? There will be, yes, but not not at this stage. It's mainly through um, you know media appearances or, or interviews. I mean, the biggest um, tangible change, at least from the, the footballing side, is that Xavi Hernandez will be the head coach. Okay. That, that is uh, that is absolutely nailed on. Um, Xavi has, has nailed his, his, his colours to the mast with uh, with Victor Font. Um, they're almost a bit of a power couple together. <laughs> um, in this in this election, he's even come out, which I thought was a little bit unnecessary to be honest, because everyone already knew that Xavi was was going to be the head coach. But Font's already come out and said, "Look, Coleman's. If I'm president, Coleman's not staying," mm. um, which was quite brutal. But yes, that that's. That's what he said. So that that's the, that's the biggest change that would be in the pipeline in terms of the the running of the club. Um, in terms of kind of actual logistics and actual details, it's been a little bit light. But Font is very much aware of how at the moment that the fans want to buy into a romantic idea of Barcelona FC Barcelona as a club again. They they want to be that romantic vision of you know La Masia and young players coming through and not just young players coming through but them being educated in a certain style of play that they then play in the senior team and 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 Cruyffism and you know Guardiolaism and and yeah. so re- really he's he's playing on that he's saying look Barcelona are going to go we're going to go back to the way we were we're going to back, go back to Mexican club where you know, maybe not going to be such a, a corporate entity anymore, which is another thing that has, has rubbed up Barcelona fans the, the wrong way, is that, you know, Barcelona used to, of course, famously not have a, a shirt sponsor, and, and it wasn't Bartomeu who brought in a, a shirt sponsor, but just since 2014, since he has come in, there's just been more and more corporate interest in Barcelona, and, and Font kind of wants to roll that back a little bit, um, although maybe not too much, because I think a, a modern club can't be expected to go back yeah. to the, the way things were. 
but yeah, he's very much playing up on the, on this idea of the past that we're going to go back to what Barcelona were like, and and Xavi Hernandez, I suppose, is is a is a manifestation of that. You know, one of the greatest players in the in the club's history, um, unproven as a coach, but very much the kind of Zidane move as as Real Madrid did, and 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 they hope that he will kind of lead by just through sheer aura um, in that dressing room. Yeah, and I can see him in the lineage, right? Of Cruyff, Guardiola, Xavi. It, it kind of it does, um, I guess, just. Uh, emotionally make sense maybe even maybe even uh, logically yeah and and this has been in the pipeline even before Victor Font um kind of coupled up with Xavi there, there's a Graham Hunter's documentary on Barcelona uh, pass the ball move the ball literally ends with a section on and how Xavi is going to be the person to in the future and this was only maybe in fact he might even still have been playing uh, certainly in Qatar but maybe this was about a year after he left Barcelona and there's, there was already talk of him being the next great Barcelona manager. I mean, there's going to be huge pressure on him. Don't, you know, no, no mistake about that. There's going to be huge pressure on him to be not just be a good Barcelona manager, but to be an iconic and legendary Barcelona manager. But yeah, um, yeah he, 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 it, it does feel like Barcelona needs someone in that dressing room with a, a real stature because I, I thought that was one of the things Kiki Setien, as good a coach as he is and that, a pure coach on the training field, he never had the, the standing with the players. And, and it's quite similar to, to Real Madrid. You know, Zidane is maybe not the, the, the sharpest tactical mind. But, my goodness, does he lead that club in an, an effective way. And it feels like Barcelona kind of need a similar figure. And, and, and Xavi, it seems, is, is lined up as that figure. Well, for now, it's Ronald Koeman. Um, do you, what do you expect next year? Do you think maybe no Luis Suarez? Do you expect PK to be there? Do we expect um, um, any of the older guys to stick around? Yeah, I mean, that's, it's all up in the air at the moment, isn't it? But I, I'd, I'd probably would say Suarez will leave because I think Barcelona will spend big on, on a new striker. And I think that's the right decision. You know, it's one of the... one of the Barcelona have spent a lot of money on players who don't fit their team. But one of the things I think they've got right recently is that they've identified Letaro Martinez at Inter yeah. as the, the player, the long-term replacement to Luis Suarez. And that seems right to me. I mean, there's a very kind of similar player... Um, the only thing that could could kind of scupper it is if Suarez hangs around at Camp Nou, and and you know you have a political situation there. They need they do need to be ruthless there. Suarez needs to be moved on, and uh, Martinez coming in for him. In terms of other players leaving, I mean, you would think finally even Rakitic would be on his way out. Although Barcelona have tried to move him on, I mean they they almost literally drove him to Paris last summer to try and. Uh, <laughs> include him in the deal for Neymar and he didn't want to stick around in Paris so he was he was back at Barcelona um, Arturo Vidal who by the way I would say is one of the players who this season has been most effective he, he plays a role for Barcelona he brings a bit of energy to that midfield that's otherwise yeah. lacking but just because he's a, an aging player on, on big wages I would imagine he's maybe one that would be moved on um, th- this is the thing about that Barcelona squad is that there are good players in there. There are players who are valuable, who have transfer market value. It's just the way that squad has been assembled with no real thought of or overarching idea of what, what kind of football they're going to play. So players like Nelson Semedo is, is not a bad player, just maybe not quite good enough for Barcelona. Samuel Umtiti looked brilliant when he first signed for Barcelona, but has had his, his, his injury troubles. You know, Rakitic is not a bad player. Suarez is certainly not a bad player, even though there are some concerns over his fitness. Usman Dembele, certainly not a bad player, just hasn't had any consistency or any luck with injuries as, as well. Antoine Griezmann is perhaps the, the best example, although it, it does seem unlikely that he'll leave this summer. He was actually named 
by Bartomeu as one of the untouchables um, in last week who, who won't be leaving Barcelona under any circumstances, which seemed a little bit strange to me. But, but Griezmann, um, you know, is, is, a, is a world-class player. We all know that. He's just yeah. not a good fit for this Barcelona team. So there's so many players like that. So there are, there are players who have value. Maybe the right coach could come in and, and get more out of them. I and mean, we saw that with Zidane at Real Madrid last summer. They looked to be in a bad way. Um, they looked to be on the verge of a, a generational transition. And then Zidane just got a little bit more out of the squad uh, at the club. So maybe Coleman's going to do that, although I doubt it, to be honest. I, I'm not entirely sure Coleman is, is uh, to be blunt, capable of that. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 again, I'm sorry to give you such a rubbish answer, but I, I could not tell you how Barcelona are going to look the next summer. It, it, they could look anyway. Pique could be there. He could be captain. He could be at Fulham. <laughs> I heard a rumor that a report that Fulham wants him, which was I felt was a bit ambitious of Fulham, but uh, fair play to them. Oh, yeah, PK um, never thought he'd play alongside Tim Ream. Yeah, yeah, I bet he didn't. Yeah, <laughs> and Tim Ream never thought he'd play against uh, alongside PK. But yeah, um, yeah, it, it could it could go any way from this point on. It really could. It, that, that's the the significance of this move from Messi. Is it, it doesn't just have implications for him; it has implications for you know countless yeah. people at Barcelona because it's like the signifier of the end of an era right so it, it kind of moves it moves everything um if, yeah. if there is a generational shift is there the talent coming through at La Masia like I know there's Ansu Fati and uh, Ricky Puj I believe is how you yeah. pronounce it um who've been mm-hmm. in and around the first team the last year or so is there a whole generation coming through or is it really just those two players um, there are there are a few. Um, so that's that's one of the things Coleman has has got in his favour, and it's one of the things Setien definitely should have used more of. Was certainly Ansu and, and Puj were, were were two players. Um, Ansu was probably used, you know, sufficiently over the course of the season. He did play a lot of football, particularly at at the start. There there were a few big games where I felt he should have he should have played. Um, maybe that Champions League game against uh, the Bayern Munich from the start he should have played, and certainly Ricky Puge I think should have played that game because almost every time I've seen him play for Barcelona he's been one of their best players on the pitch, and he, yeah. and he just brings he, he just brings a cohesion, and, and and I don't want to go so far as to say you know he's almost a kind of a Bruno Fernandes type player for Barcelona in that, you know, when Bruno Fernandes went to Manchester United, things just kind of clicked. It's not quite to that level, but in the games he's played, it, things have just looked so much better. They, they've, they've, they've been more energetic in the centre of the pitch. They seem to have more idea of what they're doing. Their pressing game has been a lot more intense and and Messi trusts him, which is one of the, the big things at Barcelona. He's, he's very happy to, to play him the ball, which, by the way, Messi is still not very happy to play Griezmann the ball. So Ricky Puig is... is <laughs> has done more in a few months than Griezmann's done in a, in a whole season. But yeah, those two players are, are really the the standout talents. Um, there is uh, Monchu, the midfielder, who's another kind of energetic, uh, kind of central midfielder. He he has was breaking through just towards the end of the campaign. So he's maybe one that will get more first-team football next season. Araujo uh, in central defence is, is, is another promising uh, talent. So the idea is that maybe Umtiti will leave Barcelona this summer and then he'll become kind of the, the third choice central defender behind uh, Longley and, and, and Piquet to be honest he was already the third choice towards the end of last season ahead of ahead of him Titi there's also um, two players uh, who have who have actually kind of signed for Barcelona this summer not really through La Masia but uh, Pedri from, from Las Palmas is a, is a very exciting 
uh, left winger. I think he's capable of playing on the right wing as well. And then um, today, Trincao uh, has, has has signed as well. So, um, yeah, there, there, there are green shoots of, I don't want to say progress, but green shoots of hope, shall we say, yeah. for Barcelona. And some of the young young players that are coming through, particularly in Ansu and, and Puge, who are, who are two players who you would say, right, build the next Barcelona team around those two, particularly, you know, well, from a tactical point of view, Puge is really, because he's, he's a central player, you would, you would build around him. But in terms of um, star quality, Ansu is the real deal. I mean, he, is, yeah. he could be the next Messi. Uh, he, you know, he's 17 years old and, and he's already borderline a first-team figure for Barcelona. You know, that, that's pretty impressive. Uh, I don't know what you were doing at 17, but it wasn't that uh, for me anyway. Uh, uh, it, so, was, it was nothing very impressive, I can tell you that. <laughs> um, especially yeah, so, not football-wise. Um, I did. I saw a weird transfer rumor yesterday of Ansu Fati to Manchester United for. I saw all kinds of very large um, amounts in terms of the transfer fee. Was that just a crazy Twitter thing, or was something happening there? Yeah, they're, 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 I wouldn't believe um, those reports. To be honest, that, that, this is not my information, but I, I can't remember who it was that it might have been Graham Hunter that said this. Barcelona have been the ones briefing this um, this idea, this 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 transfer rumor, and they've, they've briefed it. They've briefed it a couple times when they've been in a little bit of a, a sticky situation where they feel like the pressure is getting to them because they want to be seen to that um, a, a rival club is interested in one of their best young players, and yet uh-huh. no, they're they're not accepting any offers. We are not selling this guy, you know. So it's it's very much in their interest to show that they are holding firm on Ansu and they're not selling him. I, I don't think it's... I mean, look, I, I think one of the, thing with the things with the transfer market that maybe people don't totally understand or grasp is that clubs are monitoring and scouting and asking about players all the time. That happens all the time. You know, there's probably not a player that an elite-level club, let's say Manchester United, haven't asked about at some point in the last two years. So it, it, it probably is true that Manchester United at some point have sent a scout to go and watch Ansu Fati. Yeah. Um, and maybe made contact with his agent or whatever, but that doesn't equate to they're making a, a transfer bid for I him. See. And I think Bar- Barcelona have been quite eager to play this up that they are rejecting all offers for Ansu. I mean, oh, but you think of Ansu Fati in that situation, that seems like a perfect encapsulation of how all the uh, political manoeuvring and like disinformation going on is not helpful for a young player's career. Absolutely, yeah, that's totally unhelpful for a for a young player's uh, career. And and as you say, I just repeat what you say. You know, it's an encapsulation of everything that's politically wrong with Barcelona at the moment. Ooh, so I feel like I have a better understanding of Barcelona and the whole situation. Uh, thanks to you, Graham. Um, I had a couple of other things I wanted to ask you about, but I'm also really conscious of taking up too much of your time. Are, are you okay to talk about a couple of other things? Yeah, sure, of course. Oh, okay. Hey, listen, this is Daryl jumping in really quickly. Before we talk about those other things, I want to let you know that today's show is sponsored by 4hims.com. Hims is all about men's wellness. If you need help with hair loss, erectile dysfunction, you have a cold, you're interested in mental health, or in COVID-19 home tests, Hims is here for you. If you find your hairline is moving backwards like a defense-facing Leo Messi... Don't be embarrassed. 66% of men start to lose their hair by the age of 35 and you can do something about it. Something proven and scientific. Hims connects you to FDA approved products to treat hair loss and they have thousands of happy customers loving the results. They connect you with a doctor online and if approved, the products will be shipped directly to your door in discreet packaging. 
And today, Hims is giving you their best offer yet. If you're not happy with your results after 90 days, Hims will give you a full refund. Right now, listeners can get their first visit absolutely free. They go to fourhims.com slash total soccer. That's fourhims.com slash total soccer. Here's the disclaimer full refund of price paid available for first 90 day supply. Refund request must be made between 90 and 180 days after product shipment delivered. Prescription products require an online consultation with a medical professional who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. Okay, let's get back to my conversation with Graham Ruthven. So I'd, I'd asked you just via email, like, are there any other big stories in Spain right now? And you mentioned, the, you called it the Valencia fire sale. Um, so what yeah. is going on at Valencia? Well, Valencia are almost a little bit of a microcosm of, of, of Barcelona. Um, <laughs> you know, they've, they've had, uh, they've got financial troubles they have a very unpopular chairman slash owner and 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 Peter Lim, and um, a lot of their key players are unhappy. With the, the difference here is that a lot of their key players are are being very quickly moved on. So already, Danny Parejo and uh, Francis Coughlin have moved to Villarreal, which you know there's a rivalry there between those two teams. So that that's that's quite a a significant move. And 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 uh, Danny Parejo wasn't even given a, any kind of formal goodbye. This is a player who was a, a Valencia legend who had the club at heart. And there was actually, um, you know, it's not often that I get um, actually moved by videos or interviews by of, of footballers just because, you know, a lot of the time when I, when I um, hear a footballer talk, I think, look, you, you know, you're getting paid lots of money to, to play football. Maybe life isn't so bad, but he, <laughs> he it was genuinely moving. He, he he kind of broke down in tears, basically saying, "You know, I, I I've been forced at the club that I love, not just the club, but the community that I, that I love, and I, I wasn't even given kind of the courtesy of a goodbye." His 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 goodbye video was filmed himself and posted on his own Twitter rather than anything from Valencia. Um, and then Rodrigo Moreno sold to, to Leeds United um, last night slash this morning for a fee that's around half of what they were asking. Last summer, when Atletico Madrid and Barcelona were interested in him, Ferran Torres is, 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 is now at Manchester City again for a, for a cut price deal. So, so they've got real financial problems um, because of both the pandemic and also they finished ninth in La Liga last season. So they didn't qualify for Europe, which was a, a massive blow. But also just Peter Lim, um, for reasons that are almost a little bit unknown, just because maybe he is protecting his financial assets, is kind of running the club into the ground a little bit. Which, when you consider Valencia are traditionally the third force in in Spanish football, is is, is a great shame to, to to see that club. And they, they've had such a bad time of it really over the last kind of decade and a half since, well, going back to even when Rafa Benitez was at was at the club. Um, so it's a shame that. When Peter Lim took over, there was real hope that this was them on the way back up again, and and really it's been a bit of a false dawn. I'm really confused by Peter Lim because um, mostly because I know him through his relationship with Gary Neville, um, mm-hmm. and I think of Neville as having like a pretty solid moral core, and yet there's this odd relationship with this this businessman who seems to be uh, not that helpful in a lot of situations. Yeah, because of course they, they Peter Lim and and the class ninety two co-own Salford City yeah. as well in, 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 in England so yeah I mean Gary Neville wasn't exactly done a favour by Peter Lim either Peter Lim called Gary Neville and said look do you fancy being Valencia manager and despite his, his, his better judgement Neville said yes and it's still the one thing that is 
that's held against him is yeah. that, yep, you're an excellent analyst and everything, but you're an absolutely atrocious manager. Yeah, his However, reputation took a real hit, right? Yeah, it did, yeah. And, and um, you know, you could counter that Valencia is a complete basket case of a club and that no one succeeds at Valencia other than Marcelino, who was sacked last summer <laughs> um, after winning the Copa del Rey and taking Valencia to the Champions League uh, group stages. But... Um, yeah, a really difficult club to understand, but it's been that way for a long time. If you're looking for a, a, a talented player on the cheap, though, Valencia is the place to go because they are they are selling them. Let me tell you that. <laughs> I also want to talk a little bit about Scotland, if uh, if you got time. Um, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I heard you say you're a Sterling Albion fan. Is that right? That's right. Yep. So was Sterling Albion affected by the um, the vote? Uh, during the middle of the pandemic to essentially, I think the vote was just to end the season and do points per game, right? Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, so were, were you, were Ster- I want to do it from a Sterling Albion perspective, basically. Did, was that a positive or negative for Sterling Albion down in League Two, I want to say? Yeah, so League Two, yeah, that's right. It, it was obviously a negative in that you, Sterling Albion didn't get to complete their season and they, they were, they, there were still slim hopes of kind of making the playoffs and, and, and so the fact that the season has ended prematurely is, is always a negative. From a financial aspect, Sterling were, were quite fortunate in that at that level of the game, you're only really paying players when they play. So it's all very kind of bonus-based. So yeah. um, from a club perspective, you know, not such a great hit. There, was, there were a few kind of co- costs to cover, but they were, they were covered by a, a crowdfunding a campaign I think raised about £30,000 which was, was enough to cover the, the club. Um, obviously for the players it's not ideal if they're not having income coming mm-hmm. in for this period of time but um, it, from, a, from a financial point of view it wasn't so bad, the club is still sticking around it's more in Scottish football, so you've got the top level clubs like your your Celtic Rangers, Aberdeen, Hibernian um, they, they're, they're fine, they're, they're big enough financially and rich enough to, to handle the, the, the blow. It's more your clubs of, of slightly lower level, still full-time clubs, but are not of that size. So I'm thinking clubs like Dunfermline, Dundee, Falkirk, Wraith Rovers, these kind of clubs are the ones that really were, were hit. And th- these were the ones that were saying to the government and saying to the SPFL, look, if football doesn't come, come back by autumn, we are... We're, we're in serious trouble and, and and the noises coming out was that it was all very genuine and a lot of these clubs would have went out of business so the season the Scottish Premiership season started on 1st of August but the the lower league season doesn't start until October um, so I think a lot of these clubs are looking forward to, to getting uh, well I know they're looking forward to, to getting the season back up and running and I know the the vote to end the season was contentious. I didn't I didn't really fully read into it, but has that all been settled now? Is everybody happy with what happened or is there still some still some arguing over whether they should have ended the season or not? I mean, nobody there's certainly people who are who are still unhappy. Um in terms of has it been settled? Yes, that it, it won't, you know, obviously the the, the top the, the Scottish Premiership season has started now, so there, there there's no going back in that sense, but yeah. Yeah, basically, the, the the SPFL faced a lot of criticism, justified criticism, criticism in my opinion, of the way they forced through their will to start through start the season. So at, right at the start, there was the, it all traced back to this episode where they gave clubs two days to to review a hundred page document on what would be the the impact of ending the season early and doing this points per game scenario, and then they set the deadline of it was a Friday at five pm for all clubs to vote. And we never totally got the full story here, 
not that I'm aware of anyway, but one club, which turned out to be Dundee, didn't submit their vote in time for 5pm. Um, and basically, it turned out that they were the, the, that, that single vote was the hinge of the whole thing. <laughs> that, that, whole, that vote depended on it. So Dundee basically realised the position they, that they were in. And rather than submitting their vote, it, it, basically it turned out the vote had been lost in a spam filter. <laughs> um, at the SPFL, which is as crazy as it sounds, yep, that totally crazy. But Dundee, instead of just resubmitting their vote, realised they were in a position of power. They realised in the small print of the, the 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 constitution of the vote that they they had they actually had I think it was two weeks, fourteen days, <laughs> to submit their vote rather than just the two days. And so they held back and allowed themselves to be lobbied by a number of clubs, and they changed their no vote to a yes vote, which, as you can imagine caused a lot of uh, controversy over over what they'd been offered, why they had changed their mind, whether the SPFL had leaned on them. And, and really, the SPFL as an organisation just all allowed this to happen. And um, that, yeah, it, it, was, it was pretty poor leadership on a number of counts. One confusing thing, what could they possibly be offered by other teams? Are we talking financial incentives or, or what? Well, one of the one of the stories at the time were were friendly matches um, at some point in the future. So Celtic. Uh, by the way, I'm just saying Celtic purely as an example. I don't have any information that it was actually Celtic, but Got just it. to use them as an example, Celtic. Um, you know, playing a friendly at Dens Park against Dundee maybe next summer, and then obviously Dundee get the the gate receipts oh, from that. So there, there's there's almost a kind of a, a, an inadvertent financial benefit you know a financial sum that celtic are offering dundee again just using celtic as an example yeah um, we'll find out next summer that, maybe d- when, when the pandemic's yeah, over well, we'll exactly. see who dundee are playing exactly. in those friendly dundee's pre-season friendly schedule is <laughs> going to be interesting next year yeah <laughs> um, final thing i want to ask you about is um a young american whose uh, name has been uh, flashing across my screen cameron harper appears to be in the celtic first team squad do you know much about Cameron Harper? What can you tell us? And if it's nothing, then I, I totally understand because I know that um, you know my US men's national team is not necessarily your beat. Yeah, well, I, I know a little bit about um, about Harper, and um, I did notice his name, and that there was two kind of young players in the, in the, in the Celtic squad to, to face Dundee United at the weekend. And as a as an American, um, he was one that actually stood out to me. Um, so yeah. He's he's impressed for Celtics under uh, 18s. I, I was reading he's been training with a senior squad this year. Um, I, I did catch a goal. I think was it this year or last? It must have been last year actually, because I don't think the Youth Cup final happened this year. But the, the Scottish Youth Cup final, he scored a a goal uh, in that game. He, is he's most commonly kind of used as a as a as a winger um, in the clips that I've seen. But I did read. It, he was asked where he can play, and and he his response was, "I can play as a left back, a right winger, or a striker." <laughs> Which I'm not sure I've come across a player who says. I mean, you know, that is quite literally a cross section of the pitch, yeah. you know, from from the bottom left corner to the top right corner, <laughs> and, and and a striker for good measure. So, yeah, versatile. I think it's fair to say if if that's true, if that if he can play that. Um, it, 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 there's there's a story again. Um, I was reading basically his his dad and his mum and dad are big Celtic fans, and his dad just through sheer will power got him a trial with the club, um, and he was he actually had a scholarship at UCLA in hand before it before he went to Celtic, um, making the decision to to go to Celtic. So, so it's a little bit unusual in that he has been at Celtic for a little while. He's not someone who's come over. 
um, you know, like Andrew Gutman, who's who's on Celtic's books, but is on loan in, in MLS this season. You know, he's not someone who he's not a signing. He's been a youth academy kind of recruit, which is a little bit unusual for for an American, yeah. I suppose, uh, North American. Um, but yeah, uh, everything I read about him is, is is very promising. Obviously, you never know how a, a player is going to to take to first team football until you kind of drop them in at the deep end. One thing I would say is. He's maybe been a little bit unfortunate with timing this season because Celtic are a club that do bring through a lot of young players. But this season, I'm not sure if you're aware, they're, they're going for this 10 in a row, uh, 10th league title in a row, which has been their guiding light for about three to four years now, has been about getting to this to this point. And so it, this season, Celtic are signing... Um, they signed Albin Ajeti from West Ham. They're going to, I think, they're close to signing Shane Duffy from from Brighton. So, what I'm saying is, they're kind of going more for proven, experienced players who can get them over that line without yeah. any fuss, rather than dropping a teenager into the first team. I, I, I think this season he might find opportunities that are a little bit hard to come by. But he is in a good place. Celtic, Celtic are, as I say, a, a club that give chances to young players. So. Um, yeah, he is, he's a, he's a, a good club for that. And are we expecting a challenge from Rangers this year? Because I know last I know last year the um, we finished with a points per game scenario, but Celtic was still pretty far ahead of Rangers, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, Rangers are difficult to gauge at the moment. I think a lot of it depends on whether they can find a, a, a regular goal scorer because they had Alfredo, they have Alfredo Morelos, but it seems likely he's going to leave this summer. He's already kind of left and. In spirit, if not in body, he's he's not really at the club. He's he's he was left out of the squad entirely at the at the weekend to 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 play Kilmarnock, um, and Rangers just you look through that team and just an, they have got a lot of quality. They've improved. Steven Gerrard's done a, I think a good job. They had a lot of success in Europe last season, making it to the to the what would that have been the round round of sixteen in the Europa League, which is um, a massive achievement for them. But yet you look through every position. And I just think Celtic are stronger in, in pretty much every position, maybe with the exception of left-back, where Rangers have Borna Barisic. Um, other than that, Celtic are stronger. And, and I just, I don't, look, come back to me at the end of the season when Rangers have, have romped to the title <laughs> and are, 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 you know, celebrating stopping 10 in a row, but I, I don't see it. Um, and for Rangers, it's, it's kind of just maybe about closing that gap as much as they can. And then once Celtic have got the, the 10th title... And a few of their key players have left. I'm thinking Odson Edwards maybe leaving it next summer. Yeah, that's maybe when Rangers can catch Celtic. I think. All right, Graham. I won't take up any more of your time, but I will say thank you for sharing all of your knowledge with us today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Daryl. It's always good fun to be on. Great. Um, well, hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks.